This podcast is brought to you by the Specialty Produce Network. Welcome to Plated Earth, where we share at least a fraction of the crazy, wonderful, and insightful stories of produce. I'm your host, JJ. Plated Earth is also the official podcast of the Specialty Produce app. Please show your support for us and Specialty Produce by downloading the app and exploring one of the globe's most comprehensive fresh food databases. Now grab a snack and get ready for Food Fables, where we share original short fiction stories about produce and its connection to people, culture, and more. Every morning, as the original farmer's market in Los Angeles comes to life, Dimitri's there, serenading the merchants with his mandolin as the fresh produce gets unloaded from the trucks and the sun rises. One morning, there was a merchant backing his truck in to be unloaded in the parking lot on the corner of 3rd and Fairfax. Dimitri was pacing the produce stands as farmers built their displays, softly singing an Italian folk song with his mandolin, walking toward the entryway where the trucks park and unload. As soon as the merchant parked, another merchant, with a produce bag held over his mouth and nose like a mask, flung the front door open, pointing his finger at the driver like a gun. Open the back and give me the goods! <laughs> Get out of my way, Tony, you scared the crap out of me. Man, you wouldn't have lasted back in the 20s when the mafia had their hand in this market, he said as he helped to open the back of the truck, revealing stacked boxes labeled fresh artichokes, with the farm's logo on the side. Yeah, just because you're Italian, Tony, don't mean you'd have been a gangster yourself. The men laughed. Hearing the sound of the mandolin, they turned to see Dimitri. Hey, Papa Earth, good morning. Dimitri smiled with a nod. I take it you gentlemen are familiar with Ciro Terranova. You mean the artichoke king? Tony took an artichoke from the truck and held it up like a torch. Is that the gangster you were pretending to be? The other driver asked. Surely the artichoke king would not be the one out doing the dirty work himself, Dimitri replied. A few other merchants had made their way over to see what the waving artichoke torch was all about. Yeah, true. What kind of dirty work were they doing exactly? Dimitri noticed the gathering and smiled. He'll tell his stories to anyone who's listening, people coming and going, usually eating and drinking around the community tables inside the market. But today, the setting he found himself in... Outside on the curb, surrounded by the merchants and their open produce trucks, felt right for this story. Have a seat and I'll tell you, Dimitri said with a smile. The merchants sat along the curb in between two of the produce trucks, wide-eyed like school kids waiting for a magic trick. Dimitri knelt down before the merchants, set his mandolin to the side, and began his story. Dimitri spoke. Please state your name for the record. I ain't snitching on nobody else. This is about you right now, son. What's your name? Call me the Duke. Is that your given name? Yeah, the family gave it to me. Your mother? What about my ma? Never mind. Moving on for now. Record will show that the suspect will be referred to by his given title in the Morello crime family. The Duke. Yeah, the Duke. And how old are you, son? Twenty-six. And where do you live? Harlem, New York. What is your relation to Ciro Terranova? My uncle. Biologically? Nah, but he took care of me like family. Better than my own family. 
old were you when you met Mr. Terranova? Uh, 17, I think. And when you met Mr. Terranova, you were aware of his affiliation with the Mafia? (laughs) Of course, everybody knew him. Knew him how? He was the artichoke king. In your own words, tell us about your work with Ciro Artichoke King Terranova. My uncle, he was smart. He was one of the top gangsters in Italian Harlem, running the Morello family. Met him because I was working at a grocery store, and one day I was taking out trash to the alley dumpster back outside, and I sees him talking with one of our produce delivery guys, Benny. Oh, well, the king, he's got Benny pinned up against the wall, right, like this, bam! And he's saying to him, he says, well, I don't remember exactly. Something about refusing to buy his artichokes. But he had Benny shaking in his shoes till he agreed to purchase three crates of those baby artichokes. Well, I was standing there watching, and I couldn't help but smile with my mouth hanging wide open. I knew who he was, but I had never seen him before. Man, was he the bee's knees. Respected, you know. I had never seen fear and respect like that. Hell, I was just a bag boy, broke as hell. This guy was... Well, he was the king. Anyways, he sees me gawking and yells at me to come over, saying, You must be zazzled, boy. No other reason for you to be standing there with that stupid grin on your face. Well, he threatened me some, but he also said I reminded him of his half-brother. The way I didn't break eye contact and wasn't shaking none. And when I told him I was Italian, that was it. I was in. He asked me if I wanted to make real money, get some real respect around here. He called me the Duke because I was going to lead special missions for him. Be the leader. Me, a leader. I couldn't pass it up. He said he'd even help my ma. She couldn't work none. Her mind isn't all there, you know. She suffered a degenerative neurological disorder, correct? Those are just some fancy words. Ma says she's got ghosts in her head. And she was in quite a bit of debt from previous hospital visits, correct? Yeah. What you writing down about my ma? Please continue with your statement. Mr. Terranova offered you a position working for him and his monopoly on the artichoke market. Yeah, baby artichokes. Italians, we love those small kinds. You know, the first coastal artichokes were sent to the east as early as 1904 and sold in markets and on pushcarts to Italian populations here in the city, in Connecticut, and over in Jersey. I was not aware of that, no. Artichokes that sold for a nickel out there in San Francisco often got a whole dollar in the Italian neighborhoods in the east. <laughs> well, that kind of profit hardly went unnoticed. Artichokes got Ciro's attention real quick. New York newspapers already were calling him a food rackets emperor. He had a hand in selling hard-to-acquire vegetables. Pretty soon, he became the brains behind the artichoke market, too. Artichoke racketeering. Yeah, they didn't call him the artichoke king for nothing. He was purchasing artichokes at $6 a crate from California and selling them in New York at 30 to 40% profit. Told you he was smart. He had a violent reputation. Remember how I met him? (laughs) That was him being nice to Benny. Anyway, his reputation helped him scare the bejesus out of vegetable sellers, so they'd all buy those artichokes for whatever price the king said. Mr. Terranova employed goons to force artichoke importers to sell their supply exclusively to him. Almost overnight, the cost of the vegetable doubled. How about that? In New York and Philadelphia, artichokes became a million-dollar-a-year business. We've estimated Terranova personally pocketed at least $500,000 a year. He was the king. Can you tell us about Frank Matori? He's a New York City vegetable merchant. And what happened to him? Well, he refused to deal with the king. 
had to pay a harsh price. Says here that four of his drivers were abducted and beaten by the mob. King had to keep order in his vegetable kingdom. (laughs) And your job was? More like a mission. Selling cases? Yeah, when I was in New York. Where else were you? California. On your mission, as you call it? Yeah. Can you describe it to us? You coppers already know the rest of the story. Can you please describe it to us? All right. Started the artichoke wars. There. I said it. I'm the Duke. I was the leader. And who exactly were you leading? I ain't no snitch, I told you. You want my story or not? Please, continue. Well, some artichoke farmers were coerced to sell it to the king, and the king only. As for the farmers who didn't want to play our game, I'd wait until dead of night, quiet, dark. What time would you estimate? 2, 3 a.m., maybe? All right, go on. The fog creeping in, giving us good cover. I'd launch an attack on those artichoke fields. From Montara to Pescadero, California. Hacked down the artichoke plants of field after field with machetes. Stole boxes already packed for market. What a thrill, I tell ya. I'd wear a black mask, packing heat to hijack trucks transporting artichokes. Never bop no drivers, though, so don't think you're getting me on murder charges. Nope. Just restraint of trade, strong arms tactics, intimidation of growers, assault and destruction of shipments. Yeah, yeah, I ain't stupid. I heard all that when you put the bracelets on me and brought me in. Anyway, county coppers with shotguns would be standing guard on roads leading to the artichoke ranches. And I believe local farmers even banded together as artichoke vigilantes to patrol the back roads. Yet you hoodlums maintained a nightly schedule of destruction. An estimated $100,000 in damage was done in the year 1930 alone. What can I say, copper? I'm a hard worker. Armed thugs stopped trainloads of artichokes heading to the east coast, forcing open doors of freight cars and seizing the cargo. Guards on board who did not cooperate were taken out. I never did the train runs. I worked the coast. The Half Moon Bay Artichoke Association admitted of aiding and abetting the operation, though not in any official statement. Like I said, they didn't call him the artichoke king for nothing. What else can you tell us about your work in the fields out in California? Like I says, it was a thrill. Nothing but the swift slicing sound of the blade, the pumping of my own heartbeat. I swear I could smell the money all the way back in New York. What do you mean by that? The king monopolized the eastern artichoke market. You mean monopolized? Yeah, monopolized by buying up all the artichokes shipped from California to New York and intimidated all them east coast distributors and produce merchants, so they buy the chokes at whatever price he set. Then with my mission, sending thugs to attack California's artichoke fields. Thug, I'm the Duke, copper. And your mission, Duke, you were saying? Chopping down plants in the dark of night out in California helped keep prices up in the market back in the Big Apple. I remember one night I came across one artichoke plant that had bloomed. I'd never seen nothing like it before. Like looking in the eyes of a beautiful broad. I was hypnotized just standing there, the moonlight reflecting off my machete and the bright blue purpley color of the flower. I didn't know artichokes could look like that. Made me want to learn more about them. And what did you do next? I chopped it down like the rest. Learned later, though, that it wouldn't have mattered. Artichokes ain't no good once they bloom. You know that? No, I did not know that. Yeah, they're good for eating when they're just a flower bud. The good ones are heavy for their size and their leaves are closed up tight. 
dark green like wet money. You can squeeze them too. The fresh ones will squeak. <laughs> I'd squeak a few when I'd sell cases. The king used to say I slayed them with my sales tactics, showing off the product like they had a choice of buying it or not. <laughs> so these artichoke wars and racketeering came to a head in New York City in December 1935. You were aware of the ban? Yeah, Mayor Fiorella LaGuardia marched into the Bronx Terminal Market and stood on the back of a truck, said that the sale, display, and possession of artichokes would be illegal in the city. I believe he also stated that a racketeer in artichokes is no different than a racketeer in slot machines. Sounds about right. What happened during the ban? Uh, well, there's this one guy, a vegetable seller in Brooklyn. He stood up to the artichoke king and refused to buy his artichokes despite our, uh... Heavy encouragement. Few others sided with him, stood up to the king, and refused to purchase artichokes until after the ban. Would you say this was the turning point for Mr. Terranova? Long live the king. Well, Duke, the publicity of the artichoke ban proved an economic advantage for the artichoke industry out in California, around Half Moon Bay. Most folks out this way on the East Coast had never before tasted or even seen an artichoke, myself included, truth be told. And suddenly all these folks were demanding them. Wholesalers were swamped with orders. This overwhelming response influenced LaGuardia's decision to lift the ban within a week. Mayor admitted he loved artichokes himself, too. Sure, that didn't hurt his decision. Hmm. Sure, Mr. Uh, Duke. Do you know what happened to Mr. Terranova? Yeah. Can you please state it for the record? I didn't hardly talk to him after that ban. Guardia had coppers keeping the king out of the city. Every time he appeared south of Westchester County, he was arrested for vacancy. For vagrancy. Yeah, whatever. He was living on borrowed money and lost his house in 1937. In February 1938, he had a stroke. Died two days later. Our records show he was 49 years old at the time of death. Long live the king. The end. Well, folks, that concludes this week's episode. Be sure to follow at Specialty Produce App on Instagram for some amazing produce photos. And while you're on there, give us a follow at Plated Earth. Tune in next time for the latest food buzz. And remember, cauliflower is nothing but a cabbage with a college education. We'll catch you next time. Mm-hmm.